the three sins of pride. The three sins of pride. This is from James' perspective. Uh, for those who are guests, we know, you know that we are, and who also will hear this message on our, our website, know that we're going through the book of the epistle of James, and we are now in the fourth chapter. And we're going to start off just reviewing just a little bit uh, what James has been talking about. And James has been telling us that he wants us to be blessed by God. That's what he wants, us to be blessed by God. And he's trying to uh, get us in a position where we are more blessed than what we are now. And I want to be in that position, and I know that you do too. Now, in James chapter 4, let's review uh, verse 5. It says, or do you think that that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell. And when when we were on this verse, which we are not today, but when we were on it, we said that, um, there are two different theological explanations that uh, theologians kind of say, and one of those things would be that it's the Holy Spirit, which is a new American, new, new, uh, new revised standard Bible would say, um, but the King James would say that it's, uh, it's our spirit, small s. So it really, really doesn't matter. Uh, because we, we said that if, it's, if, if it is the Holy Spirit, then that's fine. That's fine because we know the Holy Spirit, uh, he jealously wants us to obey what God has called us to do so he can bless us more. If, it's, if it uh, were our spirit that's talking about uh, to the hearers of the scattered uh, uh, tribes abroad, then he's talking about you know, our, the spirit of our mind. And we do have a spirit of our mind. And if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, I'll give you a little, just a instance of what he's talking about here. When he's talking about the spirit of a mind, our mind, in verse 20, in verse, uh, let's start in verse 22, it says that, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So he's telling us that uh, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. So if it were the uh, small s, our own spirit, who's uh, lusting to uh, desire strongly to have its way, and to fight against that which God wants in our lives, then that's okay because we know that we need to put on a new self which is in likeness of God and has been created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. And we know that in Galatians chapter 5, we know that uh, when it told us that, that we need to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, he was telling us that, uh, that the spirit wants things that God wants from us. But the flesh or the old nature, which, uh, which they say would, would, be, would be the flesh or the spirit of our 
of our old nature, meaning our flesh, what it wants to do is to create disruption, corruption, and wants you to, to mess up your life. That's what the spirit, our own selfish spirit, wants to do. So they said it's a war fighting against one another. The spirit, anytime you want to do something good, the Holy Spirit is on top of it. He wants to, he wants you to do good. He's aiding you to do good. He's, you know, he's enabling you to do good. But what does our flesh want to do? Oh, our flesh, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, it wants to, and our, our, and the, the spirit of our mind, if it's not renewed like it should be, it wants to do things contrary to the spirit, doesn't it? To the Holy Spirit. It wants to do something contrary to it. Anytime we want to do something evil, want to do something bad, the Holy Spirit, oh, the Holy Spirit, he, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, oh, no, don't do that. But our flesh says, yes, do it, do it. So, so, so it's a war there. So that's what Galatians 5.17 is talking about. So regardless of whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's our, the spirit of our mind, of our flesh, what it's talking about in and uh, go back to James chapter 4, verse 5. It really doesn't matter. The bottom line is that God gives more grace, doesn't he? He gives greater grace. In other words, in, the, in the, uh, King James, it said God really, uh, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, doesn't he? That's what the King James said. Uh, the New American Standard will say he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Is that a true statement? He was getting a statement from, the, of course, the Old Testament because the Jews are scattered abroad. They knew exactly what he was talking about. You can find it in Psalms. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, let's, let, you remember we talked about last week uh, when it says that submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You remember that one? Well, this particular resist is not the same resist as that resist. When God resists the proud, it's, it's still hupo. What does hupo mean? Uh, 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 hupo always means what? Under. Is that correct? What does anti mean? Against. What was the word when it says resist the devil? What, what word did I give you? The English word is what? Antihistamine, right? Okay, well, when he's talking about God uh, resists the proud. It's the same, you know, um, suffix, a different prefix. In other words, he's still talking about anti, against, but it stays so. And that stays so means that he arranges, he arrays and battle against. In other words, it's like an army. When, if, if, if you think of the old days when, when Joshua and all of them went out to the army, they were arrayed in battle. They had battle lines, you know. If you see older movies, when they have swords and battles and things like that, you'll see the, the, uh, bowmen, you know, they'll shoot arrows first. You'll see the footmen, you'll see the horsemen, you'll see, they are, they're arrayed in different order. So God is opposed. He sets an arrangement against the proud. And I like to think of it in my mind, it helps me, that God has already set an arraignment, an arrangement that's against the proud. So therefore, anyone who's proud is going to fall into this situation. 
is going to be opposed by God because God's already set an arrangement against him. But it also says, the good news is that God gives grace to the humble. Doesn't he? So God is saying that I give more grace because I know that your, you, you know, your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And the Spirit is trying to lead you to do what I want you to do. I'm going to give you more grace. I'm going to give you greater grace in order to achieve my purposes. So we have a will, don't we? We have to renew our mind to be in agreement and our will to be in agreement with our spirit, our born-again spirit, to go with the word of God and not with our flesh. We have to team up against this flesh, tie this flesh up, and make this flesh do what we want it to do and not what it wants to do. That leads us right into the review of the of repenting. You remember we talked about repenting last week? We said that James gave us seven steps and we could make it ten, you know, depending upon how you want to divide the verses up. But he gave us some steps of repentance, didn't he? And we said, and we gave you memorization verses, didn't we? And I know you all memorized those verses. Didn't you? You still have it because you've been quoting it. You've been uh, meditating on it, haven't you? Right? So the first verse I told you I want you to memorize was, of course, back in James chapter 1, verse 16. And what does it say? Come on, y'all talk to me now. Okay, do not be deceived. Okay, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Okay? Well, y'all are smart. Then the second verse I asked you to memorize. See, because we're talking about our goal for 2009, we're supposed to be on the 10th scripture that we have memorized now. But we gave you a jump start just in case, you know, you were sick all those uh, 10 months. And we said, that, you know, uh, we gave you a jump start. You, you, you could memorize at least two last week. And we said, what was the second one? Good, okay. Now, that's excellent. So the first two steps of repentance is submit yourself to God. Okay? Then the next one is resist the devil. That's the second. The third one was what? Draw near to God. The fourth one was to cleanse your hands. The fifth one was to purify your hearts. The sixth one was to, you know, laymen, you know, lamentation, laymen. You know, those words, the scriptures tells us that, you know, he wants us to be miserable and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into, you know, mourning and your joy into gloom. That's what the scripture says. But we put it into one step. And we said number seven was to humble yourselves. There was seven steps to repentance. Godless sorrow works repentance. Okay? Now, God gives us also some rewards for that because as we submit to God, we're able to resist the devil, and God says that he will flee. That's, that's good news. That is good news to me. God's saying, that I'm going to reward you now. If you submit yourself to me, if you resist that devil, if you stand against him, you know, we gave you even, you know, analogy of the armor, you know, if you stand against him, he will flee. He didn't say he might flee. He didn't say if he wants to flee, he'll flee. He said he will flee. 
What more do we want, saints? What more do we want from God if he tells us that I want you to do two things. I want you to submit yourself to me. I want you to resist the devil. In other words, I want you to stand against him. And he will flee. What picture do you get in standing against? In that, you know, antihistamine. What, 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 what picture do you get? You know, what picture did God give you? Your mama gave you back over in Ephesians. Chapter 6, I gave you uh, what God says that uh, stand firm against him. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wicks in heavenly places. Wherefore, stand against, you know, the wiles of the devil. Haven't done all to stand. Stand. You remember we talked about that? Well, I brought my uh, fake sword. Uh, there's a real one. But this is a fake one. The real one you should have with you. The real sword is this one. Right? This is a real one. And you should get a picture of standing against the enemy. You know? If you watch some of the movies like King Arthur. You all like King Arthur? Yeah, I know you like King Arthur. Elder Sam brought my King Arthur. Didn't want to give it back. But, (laughs) you know. They're standing against, they have these big swords, and they are standing against, they, they, it, they just wish the enemy would come on. You know, make my day, you know, just come against me. Isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, he was, he was 40 days without food and water. He began to get hungry. The enemy came at him at his weakest point, supposedly, but he still was standing. He, he said, you know, look, let me tell you something. God says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So get back. Isn't that you know what it is? God has promised that if we submit to him, if we stand against the devil with what he told us to stand against, with the word of God, the arm of God, he will flee. He also said, draw near to me. He gave us a promise because of that too. What did he say? I draw near to you. Oh, isn't that great? What more do we want? He said that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. How close do you want to be to God? Well, let's ask you another question. How close do you want God to you? Because however close you want him to be, that's how close you need to be. Is that right? Tina, you want God as close to you as, you know, Jack is to you now? You, you want him, you know, with his arms around you and everything, you know? Right. Then what does he tell us to do then? You need to get in his, in, in, in that proximity, right? You can't be sitting over this side of the pew, right? And expect for him to draw near to you. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, right? So as you start towards him, he'll start towards you. Oh, my goodness gracious. These are word pictures now. He also says that if you will cleanse your hands, you won't be sinners any longer, would you? Because he said cleanse your hands, you're sinners. If you, if you purify your hearts, you won't be double-minded. Because he said purify your hearts, you're double-minded. 
He says that humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. And then he gave us another promise on that too. What did he say? He will exalt you. He will lift you up. These are promises that God gives us for just humbling ourselves before him. Isn't it? Oh, it's good. Uh, before we go right into our first one, Mrs. Hollow, could you come up? Ms. Hollow had um, something she wanted to read. Um, and I said, okay, let's do it, girl. Let's do it. This is from a book called Overcoming Fear. And I needed the book. My son lent it to me. Pride caused the fall of Satan and almost every fall since. We know that God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. And we are told in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. This implies that one of the ways we humble ourselves is to cast our anxiety upon the Lord. This is because anxiety is a form of pride that actually asserts that we think the matter is too big for God, so we will have to handle it ourselves. If we really believe that he is God, we will cease striving, and we will also cast off all of our anxiety and live in the peace that comes from knowing that he is in control. Anybody in anxiety? Well, you know, you won't be in anxiety if you trust in the Lord, of course. Prideful person won't trust in the Lord. They'll trust in themselves. What can we do? What can we do that God can't do? Absolutely nothing. We can't do anything apart from him, the word says. Let's go right into verse 11. James. This is where we pick it up at. We probably won't get to about one sin of pride today. So this is uh, the James talks about we might get to two. But let's dive right into it. Now, since God has set, us, set himself in array against the proud, he opposes the proud, the devil tries to make sure that he uses all our differences all of our circumstances to get us into thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. And that's called pride. Now the first sin that he talks about, let's read the first part of James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. That's the first sin of pride that James addresses in this section. This is very serious. You know, as you've been listening to the messages, and if you missed any, please, you know, go to the website and, and um, you can listen to it there. You can download it on your MP3 player, whatever you want to do. But James is very serious because he's trying to position us into blessings. 
He said, I want you to get more blessings. I don't want you to be like the children in the wilderness, like the church in the wilderness. I don't want you to be, you know, that, that you saw the blessings of God and you heard about the blessings of God and you were walking in blessings of God, but you weren't walking in all that God has for you. Oh, yes, he kept your, your feet from swelling. He, he kept your shoes from wearing out. He kept your clothes from wearing out. He fed you manna. You know, he, he gave you uh, water from the rock, which is Jesus Christ. He did all those things for you. He blessed you, but he was not pleased with you. I don't want you to be like that. James is telling the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, I don't want you to be walking in just the blessings of God, that God just naturally blesses people because he loves people and he loves his people. God has more from you than that. See, Joshua and Caleb, uh, they, they, they got more than the rest of them because the rest of them, all those who were, who were uh, 19 and above, they went on with Joshua and Caleb. All those who were 20 and above, they died in the wilderness, even though they were blessed because God wasn't pleased with them. They didn't enter into the promised land. God wants us to enter in to all that he has for us. And God has a lot for us in his Bible. I mean a lot. When, when we re- just try reading Acts sometime. Oh, my goodness. It's like Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just moving and just flowing. But see, you have to be in tune with what God wants in order to get those blessings. And James is trying to position the ones that are scattered abroad. He's trying to position them into these blessings. So he's saying that do not speak against one another, brethren. And we want to stop here because... This is very serious, as I said. Very serious. This is a sin of most people. It's a sin of most Christians. And of course, James already talked about the tongue in chapter. Come on, talk, talk, talk to me. Talk to me. Chapter what? Three. He talked about that. I know you all are. You know, meditating on James and you're getting it down in you so you can, you know, teach it to your children so you can, um, you know, share it with your co-workers and things like that. So you got to meditate on James so you can know exactly what's in James so that when somebody tells you something, you say, oh, you know, this is what uh, I believe is for you. And you can give them the word without telling them what the scripture is and where it's found and all those type of things. And they say, oh, that's good advice, you know. They don't even know it's God's advice. You see? So, but you got to memorize this stuff. So he talked about the tongue. And he's saying here that, let's go a little further here. Let's get, I mean, specific about this thing. Brethren, don't criticize one another. Stop talking about one another, brethren. How in the world can we do that? How in the world can we do that? Because you know and I know it is so easy to talk about somebody, isn't it? It's so easy to be critical of somebody, isn't it? James is saying that this is a sin. It's a sin of pride. Oh, my goodness. People are getting quiet. I wonder why. So we're talking to the church now. We're not just talking to, um, you know, this is not an evangelistic message, you know, to all the people out in the streets. This is to the church. Me, you, all of us. Let me give you some synonyms for 
Don't criticize. Don't talk about. Don't talk against. To accuse. Have you ever accused anybody? Don't find fault. Have you ever found fault in somebody? Don't have to look for it, do you? Don't blame. Have we ever blamed? Don't condemn. This is, these are synonyms. Now here are the antonyms. Commend. This is what I want you to do. I, want, I don't want you to criticize. I don't want you to talk against your brothers. I want you to commend them. I want you to bless them. I want you to speak well of them. What is he talking about? He's talking about when you go to a funeral, they speak well of, and that word is called eulogize. You've all heard it. They speak well of people. I don't care what kind of person it was, they, spoke, they, spoke, they speak well of them. Is that correct? You think that nobody, nobody was bad. Everybody was good when they died because they speak so well of them. You know? We know everybody has fault, right? Everyone has fault. Why do they eulogize a person? Because that's what you're supposed to do at a funeral. Okay? James is saying, I want you to speak well of people in the church to each other. Speak well of them. I want you to not blame them. I want you to commend them. I don't want you to find fault with them. I want you to bless them. How in the, what in the world are we going to talk about then? I mean, it's going to cut out half our talking. Especially when we are mad. Come on. Especially when somebody has done something to us that we don't like. Or someone has, won't do something that we want them to do. Am I talking to the right people? <laughs> he wants, wants us to speak well of them. Now, come on now. And now, just think of it. We have to start picturing this stuff because if we don't picture it, we're not going to do it. You know? It's not just a message. This is a life changing that, that, that something that James wants, us, wants the body of Christ to do. He's saying that, okay, when somebody is, is talking to you, and, and like, let's go back to those days, they're telling you, well, you know, you're, you're Jews, you, you ought to be keeping the law. I, I know, I know Jesus Christ died, he rose again. I know you're supposed to be under grace, but, but you better keep the law. And quite natural, when they go away from each other, quite natural, the thing is to do is to do what? Talk about it. Man, that person don't know what they're talking about, you know. Or they say, you know, um, yeah, he's right, you know, he, he's right, you know. Uh, but he doesn't, you know, I don't know where he got his learning from because he doesn't, you know, I don't remember studying on the Gamil. I don't remember anything like that. They talked about Jesus, didn't they? In his own hometown. Oh, I know his brother. I know his sister. I mean, I, I, I know his mama, you know. Who is, he? Who is he? We do that, don't we? Come on. We'll talk about anything about a person that we don't like. The way they talk, the accent. Their hair, their dress, the way they walk, right? Don't. He's saying, don't do that. I don't know 
how we're going to do it as a church. I don't know how we're going to do it. I know how God tells us to do it. But I don't know how we're going to carry it out. Because I know, and you know, you've heard this message before. You've heard it, I don't know how many times. You know that you're not supposed to. You know that it's sin to talk about somebody, don't you? But we do it anyway, don't we? The Greek word for speaking against really means backbiting. What do you picture when, when, when you think of backbiting? If you put it into a picture, what do you think of it? Right? Somebody got the back turned and you're biting it. Right? That's not a good thing, is it? They have something gnawing on your back, you know? Well, that's what it is. It's always done when the person's not present, isn't it? You never talk about a person in their presence. Because that would be not nice. Because <laughs> they might not like you. You know, you might, you know, get into uh, some aggressive behavior and stuff like that. You don't want that. So it's easier to do it behind their back. Backbiting. That's what it, that's what it means. It signifies speaking anything that will hurt or injure another person. I know I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And I don't want it. I don't want to be a part of my life. I don't want to be a part of my life. Do you want to be a part of your life? See, if we, if, if we say that, if we say that, well, you know, I just can't help it, you know. Then you're saying you're not born again. Because if you, if you are born again, in the epistle of John, it tells us that if you have his seed in you, you cannot continue to sin. If you have his seed in you, you can't continue to sin. Can't. Impossible. The only way we can continue in sin is that we don't have a seed. We can stay in sin. He also says, brethren, that's very important, brethren. He says that you are of the same family. Why are you talking about each other, criticizing each other, brethren? I mean, you're the same family. You're the same Christian community. You, you're, you're named by the same name that the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all named by that name. You can't just talk about somebody like that. Do you realize that when we talk about somebody in the body of Christ, do you realize we're talking about Christ? You don't realize it. I know you don't realize it. I know you don't realize it. In your head, you realize it, but in, you really don't realize it. Is that correct? Because, see... Let me give you a scripture because I don't want to, I, I, I love scripture. I don't want to give you, you know, what I think. I want to tell you what the word of God says. Let's look at an a, a example of this. Here's Saul. 
before he was called Paul. He was on the road to Damascus. He was going to persecute the church because he, 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 he said, I'm going to drag them out. I'm going to put them in jail, you know, because they're, they, they're doing this, this some kind of way stuff, uh, Christian stuff, and this, they're against the Jewish, what, what, we, what I've been told and what we believe in. We're going, just give me, give, me, give me some papers so I can drag them out and put them in jail. He was on his way. And when the Lord met him, what did the Lord say? Did he say, hey, Saul, what is wrong with you? Why are you persecuting the church? Did he say that? What did he say? Why are you persecuting me? See, Saul so, said, so, so. I'm not persecuting, you know, I'm not persecuting Christ. I'm not persecuting God. If you'd ask Paul, are you persecuting God? No. I'm persecuting those people who call themselves by this name, you know, of the way they, they'll follow some, you know, dead man they talk about rose again. If they'll follow our God, Jehovah, they'll be okay. They didn't, he didn't realize that Jesus Christ, you know, has already come. Oh, he knew he was going to come, but they didn't think that he came. When we talk about the church, we are talking about Christ. Who? What, what makes up the church? These walls? Are all of you. The people. The people of the church. So if you talk about the church, you talk about the... the um, you talk about that. Christ, the head of the church. Oh, let, let's talk about another issue. Suppose I walk down and ask you, I said, well, I hit you right in the chest. <clears throat> and you said, why you hit me? I said, I hit your body. I didn't hit you. <laughs> now, his head is in control of the body, right? And I said, I didn't hit you. I didn't hit you. You said, man, you're crazy, you know? You're absolutely crazy. But don't we think that way? Whatever we do to the body, we don't think we've done it to Christ. Come on. We really don't. We don't think we've done it to Christ. But is there any difference between Christ's body and Christ? Can you do it to the body without doing it to Christ? Can you do it to Christ without doing it to the body? That's why he said if you... Love me, you're going to love those who were born again of me. I mean, you're going to love the children of God. If you love God, you're going to love the children of God. You can't love the children of God and don't love God. You can't love, you know, God without loving the children of God. We are slandering the body of Christ. If we can not speak well... Our grandmamas always told us, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. <laughs> we thought, oh, grandmama, you know, uh, you know, you're born in 1919. Come on, you know, <laughs> you didn't have, have a typewriter back then. We got computers, you know. But the God, God says that, you know. That's what he, in essence, he's saying. If, if you can't speak anything well, if you can't bless people, you know. He said, when they curse you, bless them. He said. We must not take pleasure in making known the faults of others. 
exposing things that don't really need to be exposed. Let's go a little further. Let's look at Matthew 18. God has to give us some way of dealing with offenses that just happen if you are, you know, in a room with more than one person, you know, more than you. Because if you're in a room with more than one person, you know, more than you, if you're in there long enough, you're going to disagree. It's bound to happen. You're going to disagree. As, as, as close, as close as, you know, uh, Tina is sitting with, with Jackie, and, you know, you got to watch, watch your hands, too. You know, as close as he's with, he with her, I know that they don't agree on everything. I know that. I don't even have to be in their house to know that. Because they are two individual people, come from two different backgrounds, and they're bound to not like the same thing. Everything is, you know, hunkered over all the time. It's never that way. Am I, the, am, am I correct in that? I don't care how close the two people are, I don't care how much they are in love, you're still going to have some areas that you disagree on. And it's okay to disagree. How do we handle these disagreements? You know? That's what we're talking about. How do we handle them? Okay, in Matthew, it says that, Matthew 18, verse 15, this is actually talking about church discipline, and we will apply it in other situations, but it's talking about church discipline. If your brother sins, go and reprove him. So it says you can reprove your brother. You know, you can get on his case, you know. But you need to do it in private, right? Isn't that what it says? You said, wait a minute. No, he's really talking about I can take two or three people with me and, and we can talk to him in private. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He, he, he didn't say that. That you are single. Because as it goes on to say that if, if you know, he didn't listen to you, in verse 16, take one or two more with you. So we, we know you got to go by, by yourself. That is violated so many times in the church. Knowing what it, what it says. Now, obviously, you know it's violated in the world. Obviously. Because the world, they, they don't have the scripture and they don't have a conscious mind to be obedient to God. So they can't be obedient to the word of God. They're blinded. The God's word has blinded the eyes of those, you know, who are not his. And you can't come to him unless God draws you. You can't come to Jesus unless God draws you. So it says here, reprove him in private. Take one or two more with you if he doesn't listen to you. For the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if and, and that don't mean stand up, you know, doing uh, we have praise and worship, and you come up with a prophetic word. Sam, John, you know, they did this. No, we don't do that now. We're not talking about that. Tell it to the church. It's really uh, in church discipline. talking about telling to those who uh, God's called to lead the church. You tell it to them, and then they will handle the situation. Okay. Will you please understand that it's okay to disagree? Will you please understand it's okay to tell somebody that you stepped on my toes, you know, 
you know, I, 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 was, I, was, I, I had my feet right there, and they weren't bothering you, and you came by and you just purposely stepped on my toes. I did not like that. It's okay to tell somebody that. It's okay to tell somebody, you know, that, you know, what you said um, when, is okay, but the way you said it, it just bothered me because you raised your voice at me, and I don't think that's, that, that, that's right, you know. So I, I prefer when you talk to me is to keep a normal, normal tone of voice. Don't holler at me. I can understand normal tone of voice. That's okay. If you're doing it in private, you're trying to explain to the brother or sister, you know, what it is to do. Don't talk about the person, you know, because anybody within the wisdom will say, I'll tell you what to do. Why don't you go to them and tell them? Oh, I can't go to them and tell them. Uh, they're not going to listen to me. They, they don't they won't see nothing. They don't see nothing. What does it, why don't you then tell God, God, this right here, I'm going to wipe that right on out of this Bible because it's not true. Can we say that? No, you can't do that. If we, we, we can get the results of God if we follow the ways of God. That's what he's telling us to do. So if you have something against them, don't get upset and criticize and talk about the person behind their back. Go to them one-on-one and explain to them nicely what they did. It can be your husband. It can be your wife. It can be your children. Children, you can do it to your parents, and that's okay. You should give your kids, your children, permission to tell you when you are are doing something that's against the word of God. You should give them permission to do that without you finding fault in them, without you, you know, who do you think you are? I birthed you. I changed your diapers, you know. You don't have to say all that, you know, because if they're telling you the word of God, then it's the word of God that you have to answer to. It's not them. Ask these questions before you open your lips to criticize others. Are you doing it to... Make yourself look better in some area? That's pride. Why are you going to say what you're going to say about this person? Why are you saying it? Well, give me the purpose, the motive of why you're saying this thing. And see, you're telling yourself that before you open your mouth. Has God called you to work with the person and help them overcome this weak area? And everybody said, I wouldn't have. No. He hadn't called me to work with him. Well, then why are you talking then? It's not going to do any good. Yeah. Is it going to help the person which you're talking about them behind their back? Is it going to help them? No. They don't hear you right now. But believe me, it'll get back to them. You believe it? It'll get back to them. One way or the other, it'll get back. Birds, I don't know why, birds can listen and talk, you know. And, but they, 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 it'll get back to them. Ask yourself this question. I'm getting ready to criticize this person. Am I ready to, for God to criticize me in my weak areas? And you know you're not. <laughs> you know you're not. I'm not. You know you're not. Are you angry at the person you're about to talk about? And the answer would probably be, yes, I'm upset. Well, let's deal with 
um, that. Because God says, be angry and sin not. Doesn't he? Okay. It's okay to be angry, but once you get be angry and go in the prayer closet and fight against the principalities and the powers that's putting fire behind that person's tongue. Because James already told you that our tongue is set on fire by hell. Didn't he? Satan knows that where there's contention, where there's backbiting, where there's strife, where there's confusion, there's every evil work. He knows that. And that's what he wants to create in your family. He wants to create disorder. He wants to create confusion. He wants to create, you know, uh, disunity in your family. That's what he wants to do. Don't be a part of it. Don't take the bait. That wisdom is earthly, natural. What's the other word? Demonic of the devil. Destroys unity. Destroys momentum. Because people are trying to get momentum to do things, you know, in your family. Some people want to have a, um, you know, a time where they want to have devotions that maybe they haven't had them for a uh, number of years and, and they heard a message and God convicted them and they wanted to start having um, uh, devotions with their, with their wives or with their family and stuff like that. And, and they tell the kids about it, okay, starting Monday we're going to have devotional time and we're going to have it at 6 o'clock at the dinner table. You know, it's, there's no time for the, the two kids to get together and say, man, I don't know why they call someone devotion. We don't have no devotion. I'm not going to even pay attention to them, you know. That's no, that that's, that's destroys momentum. It destroys unity of that family. It destroys unity in any body, in any body of, of people. Doesn't it destroy unity in the church? Yeah, it does. Psalm 133, 1 through 3, all of you know it by heart. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the, like the oil. And we're talking about anointing oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, down to his edge of his robe. It's like the dew of, of Mount Hermon, and it's coming down to the mountains of Zion. And, and there the Lord has commanded the blessings life forevermore, hasn't it? Proverbs. Yeah, let's, let's look at Proverbs 26, verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Is that true? You mean the fire won't keep burning forever like the burning bush? Anybody have a fireplace? If you don't keep putting wood in it, what's going to happen? It's going to go out. Where there is no whisperer, you know, gospel, whisperer, contention quiets down. You believe it? Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer is like dainty morsels. They go down to the innermost parts of the body. Like an earthen vessel overlaid with silver and dross, a burning lips and a wicked heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but lays up deceit in his heart. You know, we say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, which is true. But also, 
a person speaks that's not in their heart. That's true too. Because people speak flattering words and they're they, they not, they not a bit more, they don't care about you but a man in the moment. And you know there's no man in the moment. But they'll speak nice, flattering things of you. And it's a net for you. You don't want to do that. Don't want to listen to anybody speaking so well of you. Oh, you're so nice, Steve. Steve, you're so nice. You sing so good, Steve. Oh, Steve, you're up here. I just love looking at you. You know? Man, you marked that up. You marked it right on off, brother. You know? Marked it right on off. You know? Not that you can't sing. I mean, you know. <laughs> it's, it's just that you know that's, that's flattery. You know that's flattery. You, you're not all that now. Come on. You're not all that, you know? <laughs> Nobody is all that, you know. And so you have to watch that. In Romans 14.4, it says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. See, sometimes we think that uh, people are so weak, they're not too spiritual, but God is telling you, who are you to judge another person? Sir? I'll make him stand. He's going to stand. He's going to stand because of me. The only reason you're standing is because of God. Nobody stands without God. Why, but why do you judge your brother? Verse 10. Or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For he shall, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give account of himself to God. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says, Do not judge, lest you be judged. For with the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will measure back to you. That's not too good. With the same measure that you criticize others, it's going to be, it's going to be, the same measure going to be used to you because you remember in James, um, I guess it was chapter two, uh, on the last part when it was talking about, um, people who show partiality. It ended up with saying that, look, don't you understand that those who have shown no mercy are going to be judged with, with, uh, uh, with no mercy? Don't you understand that? Don't you understand that mercy triumphs over judgment? Don't you understand that? That's what he was saying. James. So you don't want to do that. You don't, you don't want to be standing before God and thinking that you're going, to be, you're, going, you're going to be okay. You don't want to do that because we're going to be judged by every idle word, that we, every, every useless word we've spoken in this life. We are. Then it says in verse 3, Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? You know why we can't notice the log? Because we can't see. It's so big, right? It's, it's so big. Isn't that right? Come on now. In other words, we have, our faults are so big, so uh, huge to God. And, and the standard that he sets with his word. Come on now. Why in the world are we trying to criticize and find fault with somebody else because they don't agree with you or because they're not doing things the way you think they need to be done? And you're going to open your mouth against that person and knowing that you have so many weaknesses yourself. That's what it's saying. 
Or how can we say, brethren, in verse 4, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, you have a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, he said. Now, this is, now, this is not me talking. Okay, this is not me talking. This is the word of God, Matthew. Take, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. How long do you think it's going to take to get rid of our, our, our faults? By the time we get rid of our faults, we've been gone to heaven. <laughs> we've been gone from this life, okay? We're going to stop here because in the second part of verse 11, where we're going to pick it up at next week, it says, and this is a good one, it says, He who speaks against his brother or a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you are a judge of the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And I didn't, I didn't quite understand that when I was, you know, as in the years before, I just read right on over there. I'm not a judge of the law, you know. But I didn't understand. And, and I think the Holy Spirit has given me some understanding that I'll share next week. So I would just wanted to start with this one of the sins of pride, and we're still on it. And that sin that we talked about today, the sin of pride, is what? Speaking against each other. We shouldn't do it. Okay. Let's stand. I'm gonna see how y'all gonna what y'all gonna say. I have I have a microphone and camera in every one of your cars. <laughs> but do you realize that it is one? Not a natural one, but there are angels and there are demons. There are there 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 are God hears everything, doesn't he? He sees everything, doesn't he? And when you hear the word of God, now we're, we're responsible to be a doer of the word of God because we're not going to be what James said, just a hearers only and not doers of the word. We're, gonna, we're not going to look in the mirror and lead the mirror and, and forget what manner of person we are. We're going to look intently in the perfect law of liberty and we're going to uh, do it. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. It's really... Piercing, Lord. It really does divide us under the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrows. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Lord. But the word of God is good. The word of God is true. You are the word of God. And beginning with the word and where it was with God and where it was God. So, Father, we know that it's you. And I'm not speaking the things that I want to speak. The things that I'm speaking are the things that God has spoken because I'm speaking what the word of God says. So therefore, Father, we say, give us more grace. That's how we start off in the review, Lord, that you give us greater grace 
We need more, Lord. We need more in order to do what you're calling us to do. We want to shed this old man, this old fleshly nature that gets pleasure in, in talking about somebody. And, and it's just a habit we have, Lord, that when we don't like something, when we, we don't agree with something, we'll talk against it. And don't realize, Lord, we're talking against the person. We're talking against you. And we're putting things in the spiritual realm that don't need to be put into motion. We don't want to set on fire the whole course of our life by our tongue. James has already warned us that previously, Lord. We don't want to do that, Lord. We want to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, Lord. When we speak, Lord, we're going to speak with a purpose. We're going to speak like we shoot an arrow. It's going to hit the target, Lord. Because we know that whatsoever we sow, we're going to reap. I want to close in prayer. If there's anyone here that wants me to pray for them with me, just raise your hand and put it down. Because I, I, I want to pray for us that God would, 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 would deliver us. Deliver us from that. Just put your hand and put it back down, please. Thank you. Father, if anyone here that hasn't given their lives to you, it starts there because without salvation, we cannot speak the oracles of yours, Lord. We can't do it. The day is the day of salvation. So if anybody is not saved, then come today, as we call the prayer team up, and you can give your life to Jesus Christ. Father, we're closing with a prayer, a general prayer for those who raise their hand, Lord, and my hand is included in that, Lord. Father, give me the strength. Give me more grace in order to not speak critically of your body because I'm doing it to you, Lord. Help me, Lord, to Just speak well of. Just commend, Lord. To justify somebody else. To try to find an excuse for why they did what they they did rather than to find a critically why they said what they said. Help us to do that, Lord. Because we are very good at justifying ourselves. We're very good at finding excuses for ourselves and the ones we love and care most about. We will find excuses. We'll justify them. We don't let anybody talk about our children. We don't let anybody talk about our mates. We will uphold those with some excuses and we'll justify them. You're calling us today to justify one another in the body of Christ. You're calling, calling for us to speak well of everybody in the body of Christ, Lord, regardless of whether it's true or not what they did, because we know that all we have to do is go to them one-on-one and let them know what they did that offended us. And if we have been offended, we didn't offend anybody, we don't think, but, but we know that somebody has something against us. They don't even speak to us. They'll pass right by us and, and they act like they don't even see us, Lord. We know it's something. You've already said that when we bring our gift to the altar, if we know that somebody has all against us, go to them. So you don't leave any room for anybody, Lord, if I'm 
If I know I've been offended, I can go to them. If somebody is offended with me and I know it, I can go to them. You're calling us all to be like you, Lord. They keep strife out. They keep the enemy out. Close the door on him because all he's looking for is to start trouble in families, in lives, in relationships. We're not going to let him cause problems in the families in Cornerstone. We're not going to let him cause problems in our churches. We're not going to let him cause trouble in our workplaces. We're not going to let him cause, cause trouble because we're going to be obedient to the word of God. And we said, Lord, we know that we said if we submit ourselves to you, we can resist the devil. We know that you have already promised us that he will flee. We know that. So we thank you for it. I receive that grace. I receive the grace that you've given me, Lord. I receive it. I believe by faith I'm going to walk in that grace. And I know it's going to be tested this week. I know it's going to be tested. But I do know that you have given me grace to pass the tests. So we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.